Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man who told me earlier that he went to the liquor store and the clerk asked him if he needed help, and he said, yeah, I just decided to come here instead. It's Dale. <laughs> that is where you get help, ain't it? About yeah. a bottle. <laughs> yeah, you get a little bit of help there, I guess. I need to get me a jar of liquor. Yeah, I need some help, please. It's back there on aisle one. Yeah, how big, how much help you need? Half a gallon? <laughs> a fifth of help? Yeah, a fifth of help. <laughs> that always helps. Yeah. It helps something, anyway. That's right. It don't well, help a headache, but it helps something. It'll help. It What's going on, dude? <laughs> <laughs> oh, same old, same old, man. It's getting cold enough for you, ain't it? It's a little bit cool out there. You like this mess? Yeah, I like it cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I dig it. I didn't crank the damn car up every morning. Yeah, scrape the ice off the windshield. Yeah. Living down by the creek don't help nothing. <laughs> no, it don't. <laughs> we in here doing another episode, man. I'm ready. This will be episode 140. What? Yeah, this will be episode 140 we're doing. Man, we're getting up there, ain't we? Yeah, we're rocking them out. We teetering. We got to hurry. People catching up. Yeah. So these people getting them just grinding them out. We're like, we got to talk faster. Yeah, they're doing two and three a week, and we're just doing one a week. Yeah. Yep. Think uh, quality over quantity. How about that? That's right. Because we, we try our best to put out a quality product for you guys. We try. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to be all right. You guys like it. Yeah. Some of you anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we got a, uh, about a shout out for uh, Empress Luger on Instagram. Empress Luger. Yeah, that's cool. Mm, yeah. That's very Seen cool. The, she posted today from her, uh, her Spotify wrapped. She posted her top five podcast, and we came in at number two. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes the number two ain't the greatest thing, but we'll take a number two in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Number two is always good when you have when you get a number two. Yeah, when you have to take a number two. <laughs> anyway, I also like to give a shout out to our buddy Chris Waynick. Man, I think uh, you're got to be fan of the week, fan of the month. You're kicking so much ass, buddy. We really appreciate you spreading the good gospel word of the Crack House Chronicles, and you're looking really good in your hoodie, man. We really appreciate everything you do, and I think we'll just give you a. Hey. Hey. How about that? I love it. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Man, uh, it really means a lot to us for you guys to be out there sharing and spreading the word. And that's that's how we get a little bit bigger and bringing more people into the fold. So we really appreciate you guys. Yeah. So Chris gets another shout out. Yeah, man. He's earning them. I'm telling you. He had to give us a shout out. He's going to earn some street cred. (laughs) Pretty much. And uh, speaking of those uh, Spotify rap gimmicks, I'll give you a few uh, rundown on ours. Yeah, let that on, man. I said uh, this year we created... uh, 1,976 minutes of new content. That's more than 94% of other creators in your category. Mm. That's pretty good, ain't it? Yeah. Okay, let's give you something else here. What do you think our number one episode was this year? I don't know. I have no I'll idea. give you a three. Uh, it was either Lisa Pruitt or Asia Degree, The Discussion, or Kimberly Raymer. I'd say Kimberly Raymer. Ding, 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 and you would be right. Yeah. That was a really good episode for yeah, you. Yeah, that was good. Yes. Okay. Shout, out to, shout out to Sue Raymer on that. That was really good. This finger kicks butt. Yep. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, we were heard in over 30 countries. Top five being U.S., United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, and Ireland. Wow. How about that? Love it. Pretty cool. And we let's see. We had a couple other little things here, but I think you're in the top 10% of most followed podcasts, which would come in at 22% of whatever the hell that means. But anyway, our listeners have scored us a podcast of a 4.9. That's yeah, good. Yeah. That was our rating. But really, I think uh, one of the best things that popped up this week on the Spotify things is that you and your fans have something very special. Yeah. And that's that's what is top for me, man. Uh, our, our connection with you guys means the most to me. It does. Yeah. I don't really care about all my numbers. I mean, no. I, I do, but, you know, it, 
you guys dig us and we dig you so i guess we are yeah people out there listening people sharing people telling us other people about us that's what means the most yeah and, man and they're learning something and that means a lot to me yeah when somebody just finds us for however they do and then they find they let you know like dude i've been going through them i'm on episode whatever and i'm like holy moly he's just mowing through them it's just crazy it just, yeah. just blows my mind so we really appreciate you guys yeah we appreciate it a lot all righty man who knew this thing who knew this podcast thing would turn out like it did and and it's so much fun. Oh, it is, man. Meeting you guys. That's crazy. I love it. Yeah. And we want to remind everybody to go to our social media pages and check out our Facebook, our fans of Crack House Chronicles, our regular Crack House Chronicles, and Instagram and all that stuff. Yeah. We should. Talk to us. Leave us some messages. Check that out. Also, check out the, the store page. I mean, stuff goes on sale pretty regular if you want to grab you some stuff like Chris Waynick did and always uh, throw up a photo man if you got it and uh, or, or email it or send it to us and we'll post it for you we'll put it up and because uh, yeah. we're always proud to, to post you guys representing man yeah we appreciate it a lot that's cool stuff if that is all i think your two minutes is up somebody's gonna send a bitch an yeah, email we're five minutes in <laughs> well let's get going i don't want to get anybody yelling at us that's it all right today dale we are uh, we have a North Carolina. Oh, we back back home. Back at home, and this will please a lot of local listeners to do a North Carolina case. Yeah, we slide one in every now and again. We don't yeah. stay here all the time, but we do have a lot of local listeners that really enjoy North Carolina cases. So mm-hmm. we like to do that when we can. So we want to we want to find a real good interesting one anyway. Do a North Carolina case for you. Let's do one. All right. Now today we are sort of all over the state, but we're going to end up in Raleigh. But we're going to start out this episode in Lenore. Right up a road here. Yeah, it's not far, about an hour, maybe a little bit more an hour. Give or take. Yeah. It depends on how crooked the road is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we're talking about a guy named Nation Han. Pretty cool name, huh? Yeah, very cool. Nation Han. Never heard anybody that, that no, name. No, never have. But he was from Lenore, and he grew up there, and he was a child to teenage parents. Hmm. They lived there in Lenore, and... It was described they had a kind of a rough childhood. He lived with his parents, but um, something happened there, and he was eventually adopted by his aunt and uncle. Hmm, sound like maybe he was just too young for that responsibility, maybe. Could have been. and it, Probably best for him. Yeah, and his adoptive father was a butcher, and his grandmother, she owned some restaurants. Hmm. And Nation would spend his summer vacations in the back of restaurants and in their family gardens. And this is where he developed an interest in food and nutrition. Hmm. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Nation had a friend that he had met at a church camp. And they also went to school together. And his name was Jonathan Broyhill. Broyhill. Is yeah. He, is he reckon he's furniture related? Yeah, if in Lenore, I bet that's from the furniture people. Somebody, yeah. I, I bet he's Somewhere got, down the road. Anyway. I bet he's got ties to the furniture. Yeah, Broyhill, somewhere yeah. in the tree. Yeah. But they were pretty tight. I mean, they were it, they were described as really good friends, and they would hang out some, and, you know, how friends go, they would go their separate ways for a while, and then they would reconnect right. and do different things. So they were just pretty good friends. Yeah, right there. Yeah. And the other person we're talking about in this episode is a female by the name of Jamie Kirk. Right. Yep. Now, Jamie, she was from Orangeburg, South Carolina. She was born on October the 25th of 1983. She attended Orangeburg Preparatory School. And while in high school as a junior, she made a trip to Chapel Hill, North Carolina for a visit and just fell in love with the place. And she ended up going to UNC Chapel Hill. Hmm. Yeah, she just fell in love with it. And she graduated from UNC Chapel Hill in 2006 
with a degree in political science. She's into that stuff, wasn't she? Yeah, very political. And she served on the board of the Hope Center at Pullen and was an active member of UNC's Young Alumni Association. Right. Now, Jamie, she started a career in politics. So she wouldn't mess around. She came out of, the, out of school with that and just went and dove straight in, right? Yes, she did. Hmm. And she was a fundraiser for Congressman David Price in 2006. And during her work for John Edwards, he was doing his presidential campaign in 2008. All right. And she was doing fundraisers for him. So this was, she was moving on. So up she the, jumped up quick. Moving on up the ladder yeah. in politics, yeah. Second things are doing a presidential campaign. It's pretty good. Yep. And it was during this time that she met Nation Han. Right. I think he said, like, he came in one day and walked up and saw her. She was, like, facing the other way, at her, sitting at her computer, and walked up to say hello. And she jumped up and gave him a handshake and turned into, they talked a little while and had a hug. And then they kind of hit it off right off the bat, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's actually two years younger than her. Hmm. So he was probably, was he uh, interning? Yeah, he was an intern. Yeah. He was actually working for her. Okay. Yeah. And they hit it off pretty good, and they eventually started dating. Yes. Then after about four months, I think it was reported, they got engaged. Wow. Yeah. They really like each other. Yeah. And they were eventually married on April the 18th of 2009. Hmm. Yeah. The next year. Now, Jamie, she started her own company, Dale. It was a political fundraising consulting firm. Yeah. And it was uh, named... Hmm. Sky Blue Strategies. I wonder where she got that name from. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Carolina? Yeah, that Carolina connection. Yep. And it was a political fundraising consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And other candidates and causes for which she worked included Kenneth Lewis for U.S. Senate, uh, Brad Miller for U.S. Congress, uh, Kay Hagan for U.S. Senate, Jane Dyer for U.S. Congress. Uh, mm. That was South Carolina. Right. And Bob Etheridge for governor of North Carolina. And she was also part of the Research Triangle Foundation and Protect All North Carolina Families programs. Hmm. So she was very political, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's, well, that's what her business was. So yeah. She, she must have been really good at, at uh, fundraising, raising money for these stuff and that kind of thing. Yeah. Probably had a lot of connections by now. Yeah. Plus a presidential um, candidate, you know, or presidential campaign under your belt, you know, that'll give you a little... Um, clout yes street, street cred yeah street cred man yeah. yeah that's right you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> but nation wasn't too big in the, the politics but uh after him and jamie got married he sort of leaned that way a little bit and, and got pretty active in it yeah i think he actually uh, described them as political nerds yeah you know they were political nerds they, they love uh, the west wing west wing yeah that, that big they were big 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 west wing fans yeah yeah and that's all they did they watched that stuff we loved it mm-hmm now, Jamie's business got so big that she offered Nation's buddy, Jonathan Broyo, a job. Right. You know, and he was hanging around a lot. You know, they had come back together after being apart for a while, him and uh, Nation, you know, and so he was around a lot. So, and, you know, of course, him being around became just a, as good friend to Jamie as he was to Nation. Mm-hmm. You know? So they were all pretty tight to three of them. I think they did all kind of stuff together. He was at their house a lot, and they even went vacationing and go out and eat. Lots of stuff, they all did it together. Yeah. Yeah. So they were, you know, pretty tight folks. Yeah. And Jamie was running her business out of her home at 1705 Tealwood Place, and this is in Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And 
Jonathan was working there too. Yes. And he was pretty much managing the the financial part of it. Yeah, the money guy. Yeah, he had a uh, degree in accounting, so it just sort of fell into that. And she had told him at the beginning that, you know, she's not offering that job to... uh, It ain't a mercy job. No. You're really going to have to put in the time here. Yeah. Yeah, I need need somebody. Yeah, I mean, you're going to work. Right, and, you know, it was a perfect fit. He had a degree for what they needed, and he was always there, so why not? Yeah, exactly. Somebody you can trust. Yep, so that's what was happening. But everything's going good. Everybody's doing their own thing. And, uh, yeah, this is when Jonathan was complaining to Nation and Jamie that um, he was having some headaches. Yeah, a lot of little health problems and stuff coming on. Yeah. And he came in one day looking really rough. And he told them that he had uh, multiple sclerosis. Being diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. Been diagnosed with it. Right. And this just floored Jamie and Nation. I right. mean, because they were all, they were pretty much family because yeah. Jonathan was living there at their home pretty much all the time. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't living, living there, but he was there all the time. Yeah. He did. Have, I mean, they let him stay over all the time. And I think the neighbors even, you know, were saying him pretty much as a roommate because he's basically you know, got his own parking spot because his car was there so much. Yeah. Yeah. But this floored Jamie and Nation. Right. And, um, Jamie got to looking up ways to sort of slow it down, anything she could do. And, yeah. and Jonathan had told him that the MS, they could treat it pretty good since he was so young. Right. That's what they were telling him. Yeah, and uh, Nation said, you know, that Jamie even, uh, had, they, they did their Monday thing, he called it, and said, you know, he would come over on the Mondays and they would just do whatever they do. Said him and Jamie would watch um, some particular shows like The Bachelor and this and that. He said a lot of stuff that, that uh, Nation really wasn't interested in. He said they would watch it and I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. you know, and he said I'd either be on my laptop doing some stuff, but it was always that and do that. And she would start cooking particular ways, like you said. To anything she could look up that she thought would help him, she changed anything she was doing to help him. Yeah. So they're that kind of friends. You know, she's going out of the out of the way to do anything she could do to help him out. Exactly. Right. And they were even taking him to uh, doctor's visits and stuff. Yeah, and then got him to start doing walking enough because he's you know he was saying he was a little bit overweight and this kind of stuff so she got him to walk in and just anything she could do to help his health and the situation yeah it was uh somewhere along this point that uh jonathan came out to uh nation and jamie that uh he was gay right yeah and i think this brought uh jamie and jonathan a little bit closer together because jamie was the type of person who was into equality for everyone right yeah she was just that kind of person you know and him coming out and telling them that that just sort of you know made them a little bit closer right what's been described you know, i think he had a lot of problems with that when he was younger you know even saying that where he had basically cut ties with his parents and stuff because they were really religious folks and they would you know probably say he was i think he the words he used or had been possessed by something that would cause this kind of stuff so he his mother he said they never were really close and then after this they just kind of cut ties and he hadn't seen her in like years or something so yeah. because when people were asking her about him she really couldn't tell him nothing mm-hmm. and uh you know said that you know that's probably why you know stuff like that happens but it is what it is yeah now is at one point uh jonathan complained about having some pains and he came back to jamie and nation and told him that he'd been to the doctor and they said he had gallstones had some gallstones you yeah. have to have some surgery yeah to take care of that he's having a lot of problems he's having some health problems no doubt about it right and he's a big guy. He's a little bit overweight from the pictures I've seen. So. Well, self-described, he said that. You know, yeah. So we're not bashing nobody. Yeah. He even said that. So. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, that's what, you know, the, where he's talking about, you know, coming out and being gay. He had a lot of a lot of emotional problems about that, you know, and he's saying, you know, he's had a hard time finding, 
any anything lasting in in his mind he thought he was ugly he thought he was fat he wasn't like you know a lot of people that he kind of liked which were you know really tan and really fit guys and this kind of stuff so that kind of stuff weighed on him yeah you know and then he comes in now he's got these health problems popping up so i'm sure his, his mental state is not really good at this point yeah you know and so he's got gallstones now they're gonna have to go do some surgeries to get that fixed yeah so they take him they get some tests done on that right they take him to the hospital and they uh, get in there and they can't go back with him right and he goes on back and they sit out there in the, the waiting room for about two hours waiting on him and then he finally comes out and they've set up his surgery and uh scheduled and everything right so they pretty much go back to what they were doing and yeah and remember all this time now they're taking you know with him to go to his appointments and all this stuff so they're really staying tight with him you know anything they need to do if he wants them to go with him he's there they're, yeah I mean, they're like we're right here with you support i mean whatever you need jonathan yeah, yeah. We'll, we will we're be there for, for you, you. Yeah, right exactly so not long after he gets his surgery done he comes back in yeah and while he's after he has his surgery He's staying there with the Hans in their home. Yes, she's yeah. taking care of him. Yeah, laid up in the bed, um, taking care of nursing him. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't too long after that that he come in and they had found a mass. Yeah, while taking out the stones. Yeah, and they told him that he had pancreatic cancer. Yeah, at least they thought that's what it was. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah. They told him... At least that's what they thought. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, like Dale so said. So they were devastated. Yes. Because uh, that ain't nothing to play with. No, it ain't, because I think the, the survival rate on that is very, very low. Yeah, I've lost a couple people with that. Yeah. Yeah. Not good at all. Not good. So this, this threw them for a blow. And uh, this at this point, Jamie and uh, Nation, they were laying in bed one night, you know, and I was like, gosh, you know, they hadn't even thought about having kids they thought about adopting and stuff you know right yeah tons of cats and dogs and that was that was jamie's thing you know puppies she didn't like anything better than puppies except for older dogs that nobody wanted and stuff like that yeah. but, you know they i think they had talked about it here and there but nothing ever serious yeah yeah but jamie was pretty torn up and she told the nation that she wanted a kid yeah said you know pretty much while talking to to Jonathan all you know said she was super strong and everything you know and he thought wow wow you know she's just one strong lady he said when they went up there and went to bed she rolled over and she was just letting it roll yeah when she finally got behind doors and then that's when they talked about yeah I said well maybe we need to have some kids you know because yeah. you see time is fleeting and nobody waiting on nobody and I want all our friends to love our kids yeah and, and be a part of our kids right because yeah. they always they were the kind of folks that their house is always open to all their friends anything they did like if they went somewhere, had big, they always invited a big group to go with them. Yeah, on vacation, everything. Yeah, everything. Everything they did. Right. Yeah, and Jonathan was right there in the mix of it. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah, so they were doing everything they could for Jonathan to try to get him through this time. Right. Yeah. Now, it was during this time, too, you know, Jonathan, he was still working for Jamie, and she'd cut back his hours a little bit to, I guess, to fill in for his doctor's appointments and everything he needed to do. Mm-hmm. And it come to the attention of jamie that there were some funds missing from one of their accounts right needed him to check him over yeah something something about the funds because you know she was doing fundraisers for um brad miller and the funds weren't matching up with what they had in their account well then uh i think what brad decided he wasn't going to run for re-election yeah exactly so then that means they was going to have to go back through the books and start issuing out refunds to to donors yes and uh go through all that stuff and then they had a couple of uh, uh deadlines of stuff and i believe by this time she had let jonathan go 
Yeah. As far as being a actual employee, though, I mean, he wasn't leaving or nothing because he was always there. And he agreed. I mean, it wasn't like you're fired, get out of here. But, you know, he agreed, you know, since Brad was one of their, their biggest uh, customers, I guess, what do you call it? Yeah. You know, biggest consult or Accounts they had. Yeah, their account. That's all I'm looking for. Their biggest account, and she would be losing a pretty hunk of money mm-hmm. coming in, so they had to do something. And and she even told uh, Jonathan that she would help him find another job. But he agreed to stay on and help her get get through all this and make sure everything was done and all her reports that had to be turned into the, uh, what was it, the FDE? Yeah, the Federal Election Commissions. Yes. The FEC. All that stuff was done on time and done correct. Yes. So they were going to have to sit down with the books at some point and figure out where the money was. Yeah, and what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, about this time is when he started, was going to have to go back and do another procedure to actually find out if indeed he did have pancreatic cancer. Yeah. And the date, the date on this thing was going to put it right in the middle when they were getting ready to go to the beach. They were going to go to the beach for a week to celebrate their fourth wedding anniversary. And it was also going to be Nathan's birthday. And uh, they had asked him to maybe put the uh, put the uh, appointment off, see if they can move it till April fifteenth. Mm-hmm. To that would give them the time that they get back from the beach, and then they could all go together. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what they he went and he called to reschedule, and then uh, that's what they did. Yeah. Before before they they all go to the beach now, they had a meeting with some other folks from uh, the Brad Miller Society, right? I mean, yes, uh, they did. It was a, a lawyer who was the treasurer. The Miller campaign treasurer, his name was John Wallace, and he sent a letter of, for more information about the documents that appeared to show that donors receiving funds from campaigns in excess of what they paid. Right. Yeah. And uh, something else about uh, there were some loans, I think, that, that Brad Miller had actually had taken out of his uh, his funds himself, but all that was supposed to have been repaid. But and, uh, as far as he knew, but it was still showing they were not repaid. Yeah. I think they were, but showing not. Yeah, it showed a, a combined refunds of fifteen thousand nine hundred dollars in refunds, and not and they didn't know if the donors had actually received them or not. Right. So um, that money was disappearing, and yeah, something's going on. Here. Yeah, and actually, they had actually suspected uh, Jonathan of embezzling the money hmm. at this point. So that's when, um, after they got back from the from the beach that they were going to have to sit down and, and figure this out, Dale. Right. Now, before they went to the beach, they did go have a meeting with uh, John Wallace, and they went over a bunch of stuff that he had, and everything looked good from what he could tell. It looked like there was like $65,000 or something in this account. Mm-hmm. So for the time being, everything was good. Now, when it got time for them to go to the beach, they had just got on the road, and he got a phone call from Brad Miller. Yeah. He had wrote a check out of that uh, fund and it bounced. It was six hundred dollars at uh, Time Warner Cable or Spectrum. Right, it was a Spectrum account. And uh, so he's like, she's and she, Jamie's just bum fuzzled. You don't know what the hell's going on. He's yeah. Like we just checked it, and there's sixty thousand dollars in there. I mean, why can't you write a check? So he just told her we'd check into it, and then that's when uh, she had also seen an email had been sent to her and to uh, Jonathan, and Jonathan had replied said, "We're working on it, and well, we'll get back to you as soon as we can." Yeah. All right, now, Dale, we're going to move up to April the 22nd of 2013. Okay. Now, this day is a Monday, and Nation had got off work just a little bit early. got home just a few minutes before 5 o'clock. Now, this is right after they get back from the beach, right? Yes. Okay. Now, they're supposed to be having a meeting, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jonathan's there for a meeting with Jamie to go over the books and try to figure out what's going on with yeah, the Yeah, because they got to get this thing turned in for the deadline. Yes. And... 
Nation goes in and he sees Jamie on the phone there in her office. You know, she's got the door shut. They got like a, a double French doors. Mm-hmm. And she's shut, got them shut. Cause I think he has some animals they're trying to. Trying to keep the puppies out of the office. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And Jonathan is in there and he goes in and puts his arm around Jonathan and says, hey, bud, how you doing? And uh, Nation goes upstairs to get out of his work clothes. Right, yeah. Jonathan's just cruising, just coming out of the kitchen. There. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Get yeah. Hug. Everything's cool. Nation goes upstairs. And, so. uh, he even asked him, uh, actually, he asked him if he was going to spend a night. Because uh, his uh, appointment was the next morning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's right here. He said, we'll go. And then we'll, he said, I'll have to stay in a, in a Durham, you know, for business afterwards. They're going to drive separate. Yeah, so me and Jamie will drive separate. And either you can ride back with her or you can ride back with your parents because his parents were supposed to be meeting him there. Yeah. So so that was what the deal was with that. And he goes, yeah, I ain't sure yet if I'm going to stay or not. But I did bring my bag with me just in case. So everything's cool. Then Nathan went upstairs. Yeah, he went upstairs and changed out of his work clothes, put on some gym shorts and uh, went to use the bathroom, and he was just taking care of business up there. And it was when he heard Jamie scream out. Right. Yeah, he'd went up there like, every day to do his regular deal. You know, he said, went up there and changed clothes. He usually goes for a run and goes to the gym, mm-hmm. hits the bathroom, and goes. And he said he just got in there and changed clothes, like he said, went, and went into the restroom and then heard a big scream. Yeah. Didn't and, know uh, what the hell was going on. He hollered out from the bathroom, like, what? Yeah. And she screamed again. She screamed uh, Jonathan. Then she screamed his name again, Nation, right. back and forth a couple times. And so this time he just, he just jumps up and takes off down the steps. Yeah, and he gets down the steps and what the hell's going on? Goes around the corner, and this is when he sees Jamie laying on the floor. Yeah, he could just see her legs and her and her like her midsection when he from on the stairs. Yeah, from his angle there. But he did say, uh, yeah, wasn't good. Uh, and uh, Jonathan was standing over with a knife. Yeah, eight inch kitchen knife yeah and this particular kitchen knife uh was a uh, chef's knife yeah and he bought it at uh, harris teeter oh yeah. oneida kitchen knife well, yeah yeah and he was standing over with that knife yeah and uh nation screams out and i quote what the fuck are you doing yeah yeah so she screams he's killing me he's killing me so nation gets over there he tries to get in between him and jamie well when, once she come down there jamie's laying on the floor covered in blood yeah and then uh, Jonathan turns his attention to Nathan and comes at him with a knife up. Yes. Yeah. So he's uh, trying to do something that so goes at him. He said, actually, he just throwed up one hand and all he could think of was to grab the blade. And when he grabbed the blade with one hand, was punching him in or face palming him in the face with his other hand. Yeah. And then screamed at Jamie to get out of the house. Get up and get out of the house. Yeah. yeah. So what he was doing is just trying to buy her some time. And uh, he said he didn't even realize his hands were getting cut all to hell. But yeah, they he were. didn't know it. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, you know, I guess adrenaline is sitting in. Oh, yeah, strong, you know, and a lot of people we've heard, you know, said, you know, maybe you should have had a gun or something, you do it, but how, it wouldn't do you no good. Because, no. you know, if you're in the basketball shorts and just run down the steps, you're not expecting this. Cause, you got a friend over at the house. Yeah, he even said, you know, he he didn't know. He said maybe he thought it was a snake in the house or maybe uh, even he even crossed his mind that maybe Jonathan had passed out, you know, yeah, from, from, all the, from all his illnesses and yeah. stuff. But yeah, definitely running right into this. Yeah. So at some point, he managed to separate himself from Jonathan. Yeah. And Jamie had got up out of the house at this point. She was out of the house. Right. And Nation was able to get out of the house. Yeah, I think after grabbing, trying to get the blade from him, rest around a little bit, and when he's punching him in the face, then he, he got a little bit of separation. And when he did, instead of just continuing to fight, he ran out the door as well. Yeah. To go check on her. And he, the neighbors had Jamie out there in the yard, yes. in their yard. And they'd already called 911, had an ambulance on the way. Yeah, and the cops. And he was there on the ground trying to comfort Jamie, and they were trying to figure out what had happened. Yeah, what the hell happened? Yeah, and uh, 
telling each other they loved each other. They're going to figure out what happened. And, you know, they were going, they would go back to the beach when all this was over with and just back and forth. Yeah, many more anniversaries. We yes. Got, you know. And that's when the ambulance got there and they got Jamie in the ambulance. And they put Nation in another ambulance. Right. Yeah, because both of his hands were severely lacerated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, Nation reported that uh, while he was in the ambulance, he had heard on the, a, a radio some information about Jamie. Yeah, walkie-talkie came Yeah. And he had asked if that's about my wife, and they just turned the radio off. Yeah. Because well, he uh, knew then something wasn't good. Well, at this point, Jamie was in pretty rough shape. She had been stabbed. 24 times. Yes. Yeah. All about the hands and the midsection and then the neck. So I don't know. It's just all over. It's just crazy to even think about. I can't even imagine no. Nation seeing all this, man. No. You come down mm. and, you know, not to mention he was the best man in the wedding. Yeah. You know, we didn't even mention that. You know, so they're just super tight folks. And then all of a sudden he just does this shit. Yeah. Exactly. So they get him to the hospital and they get Jamie into surgery. Cause, I mean, she was bleeding out pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they were going to have to do surgery on Nation, but he refused to have surgery right away. Yeah, he didn't want to be underneath, under uh, anesthesia, you know, in case something happened. Exactly. And the police, they went into the house, and they had discovered Jonathan had stabbed himself and cut himself with a knife. Yeah, like yeah. he'd try to kill himself. Yeah. Well, I don't... Stabbed himself in the gut and in the wrist and everything. Yeah, but so, he didn't put up any fight. He went right with him. Yeah, they put him in an ambulance and took him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And this is when they got to investigating Dale, and that's when they realized that Jonathan had been embezzling money yes. from the Brad Miller account. Yeah, I think he wrote himself, it was 40-something checks for 40-something thousand dollars. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was 40 checks, and, and it equaled up to $46,000, something yeah. like that. Something like that. Yeah. So he was embezzling money. So this whole time he was taking his, taking their money. Yeah. He didn't even know it. Yeah, and he was there that day to try to figure this stuff out. You know, and a lot of times Jamie did notice stuff was going weird, but she just didn't want to believe that he was doing it. Yeah. So I think, I think she she had a feeling, but she just didn't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Especially him going through all this illnesses and stuff. She just thought maybe at first she was just trying to put it off. Well, maybe he's just making mistakes because he's just he's got so much on him right now. Yeah. But now, two days later, Jamie Hahn passed away, Dale. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't make it. She didn't make it. No, her injuries were too severe. And it was two years later, finally two years later, they went to trial on this for the murder of Jamie Hahn. They took Jonathan Broyhill to trial, and prosecutors introduced evidence that they planned to argue that Broyhill lashed out with a butcher knife at the Hans, waiting for an opportunity to cover up his financial crimes. And there's evidence that show that he had booked a train trip to Charlotte for that day, then changed the reservation for the next day after missing the train. Right. Well, before that, they said that he had actually taken uh, Nation's credit card and bought a uh, airplane ticket from Charlotte to Las Vegas. Yes. And then right before it was supposed to take off, about an hour, he canceled that and then bought the train tickets. Yeah. Yeah. And then later he said that, you know, it was all his intention that he was he was so distraught and depressed that he was going to fly to Vegas and kill himself. Yeah. But just a little bit of background on Jonathan Broyhill. He declared bankruptcy just a few months before the stabbing, and he was drawing unemployment benefits that would barely cover his $300 monthly car payments, and he was racking up bills at coffee shops and restaurants. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was um, pretty much in financial straits, no doubt about it. All right. Well, you know, when uh, 
she had let him go and told him to help him get another job. Was, you know, potentially he said that he had got a job at LabCorp. Mm-hmm. And he was working there. And then he came in and told her that he had got fired at LabCorp. Because there's a lot of times that they tried to get him to come in and meet on this stuff and try to figure out what the hell was going on before this deadline come up. And he kept blowing them off. And then he said, you know, he called him from the beach. He said, I'm sorry, it's got so much on me, blah, blah, blah. I just got fired from my job, you know, because of, because I got cancer. Yeah. And which, you know, but then later come out that he didn't have a job there at all. He no. He wasn't even working. Mm-mm. So he's just basically full of shit. Yeah. I mean, sorry. It is. Yep. And it did turn out that Jonathan Broyhill was convicted of first-degree murder, Dale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he would serve life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yeah, and then a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah, attempted murder on Nation, Han, and embezzlement, and several other things. Right, so he got sentences on top of sentences on top yeah, of sentences. to run concurrently. So, right, yeah. and before you start feeling too bad about him, there's a lot of stuff you don't know. Well, let me tell you this right here. Now, during the trial, at the end of the trial, during the impact statement, Nation was on the stand giving his impact statement, Dale. Okay. Victim impact statement. And we've got a part of that right here. We lock our doors at night to keep the outside world, to keep evil out, right? But what happens when evil has a key? I would give anything, 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 anything to hold her in my arms, to see her make this, what I refer to as a frog face when she was getting ready to kiss me, to kiss her, to hold her, to tell her I love her again, but I can't. But I hope that everyone will do what I try to do every day, which is take some of her with us. Some of her essential goodness. Some of her love for others, her care, her concern, her compassion. Because we never really die as long as there are people who love us, who carry our example forward. And all of us who knew Jamie know that that spirit will carry forward with all of us. John, you tried, you killed her. You tried to kill me. But you can't kill her spirit. You can't kill what it was that made her so special. You can't cut her spirit out with that knife. You couldn't stop her love for you if you tried. Thank you. Yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up right there. It sure does, man. Yeah. He, you just don't know people. You don't know? And, and just tell everybody just a little bit more that you don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not only was he stealing from them. Yeah. This whole time, he was lying about all of his illnesses. Everything. He, he didn't have MS. No. He didn't have no surgery. Uh-uh. For uh, gallstones, and he never had cancer. Nothing. It was all made, a lie. Up, made up bullshit. A lie. They would take him to the hospital. He would tell them that they couldn't go back, so they would sit in the waiting room for two hours while he walked through the doors and just walked around the hospital. Wandered the hospital, yeah. Yeah, go room to room, floor to floor, walk, walk through and go, whew, well, I got him fooled for now. Yeah. But he knew time was running out, but then he would come back out and act like everything's good, and they'd go, cool, go on to do what they're going to do. Yeah. And they so let this man suckering them the whole time, and and fake gallbladder surgery, and and lay in their house, yeah, like he just had surgery, yeah, 
they feel sorry for him, take him to the beach, do all that stuff. I guess that's how he's driving his little fancy Volvo. I guess. They was paying for it out of that. He's paying for everything out of that company, out of that, uh, that account. Yeah. But he was faking it the whole time. Right. So that's why he never would answer nothing. And then come to find out that account didn't have $65,000 in it. It was about $5,000 overdrawn. Yes. So that's why their checks kept bouncing and they couldn't figure out why. Mm. So the man who was doing the thing was writing himself checks. Yeah. But now the defense, you know, for him during the trial, they claimed that he went there with the knife that he was going to kill himself. I don't I don't buy that, man. No. Uh-uh. You know, and like we we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's like, do you think, you know, because it said that Nation had got home early, right? Yes. So do you think he, you know, if he wouldn't have got home, was he planning on killing her before he got home? It's very possible. And he just seen uh, Nation come in and it was like a... <laughs> like he panicked. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said, well, hell, why didn't he just wait for Nation to go for his run and then do it? Yeah. You he know? could have. And, you know, unless he was planning on killing them both. Yeah. And maybe that was his plan to kill her then kill him. I don't know. But um, that don't help him a bit to me. I'll, I mean, it's killing his best friends, how does that help him anyway in the big picture? They're going to find out what's going on. They're going to know who did it. So... I don't know. I just don't understand his his thinking. I'm sure. I mean, he must have been pretty whacked out on as far as just stressed out, didn't know what to do, and was scared and lost and, and stealing everybody's money and didn't know what he was going to do. But yeah, that definitely wasn't going to help him. I know. I don't get it, man. He was just a liar all the way around. Yeah, pretty damn sad. I mean, best man in their wedding, and yeah. pull pull this off. Crazy for years. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. and. Um, you know, said I was reading a quote right here where it said, you know, her family had released, you know, on the statement and said, "We lost, we lost a beautiful and loving wife, daughter, and friend. Mm-hmm. We all lost a pure and brave spirit. She had a gift for bringing us together, black and white, young and old, gay and straight. She challenged us to work together for a better world." Yeah. Gone. But Jamie was a rising star in politics, and she was an idealist who lived her beliefs. She was dedicated her life and her labor to the goal of human dignity for all, rich and poor, black, white, young and old, gay and straight. Yep. She saw public service as a way to achieve that goal, and she was taken from us too early. She touched uncounted numbers of people whose expressions of love and support have sustained her family in their difficult time, and Jamie and Nation made life and politics fun. Right. But Jamie was laid to rest on Monday, April 29th, 2013. A lot of times they say, you know, you you find your soulmate or whatever, and everybody's like, well, you know, maybe you got one person for you, maybe not, whatever. Whatever the deal is. But they were an ideal couple. They were. I mean, they were just a fun couple. Yeah. They were so good. Everybody wanted, they didn't do, you know, they, they didn't want nothing but to have everybody together. And, you know, and everybody get along and just have a good time. Mm-hmm. That's, that was what they were all about. But Nation, her husband, he did survive his uh, hand injuries. Yes. Even though he did have some uh, permanent damage in some of the ligaments and the nerves in his fingers. Yeah. But today, Nation is the chief growth officer for Ed NC, and he also serves his community through the Jamie Kirk Hahn Foundation, named after his wife, Jamie. Right. And and he is also on a other bunch of boards, roles uh, focused on food-related issues, poverty, and education. So he's still going, but man, how do you do it? I don't know. I mean, that's that's just awful. Yeah, yeah. I've listened to several interviews with this guy, and he's just a he's just a great guy. Yeah, I think so. I'd like to hang out with him sometime. Right. Yeah. 
Too young, man. Too young. Yeah, man. 29 just, years old. Just young folks. Yeah. Hadn't even really got started. No. And doing so much good for the community. And, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. And this guy just smuts her out. But Jonathan Broyhill is not getting out of prison. No. No. But that is a North Carolina case we wanted to cover for you guys, yeah, too. That was really interesting and sad. It is very interesting. All right, Dale. We're going to get out of here, dude. All right, man. We want everyone to be safe. Please be careful and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.